Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to pan like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to a new episode, everyone. Today, we are talking about our very best recipe suggestions for a new canner. And we're also going to talk about a couple of recipes that people sometimes choose at beginners that aren't necessarily the best pick and why. So first up, Anna and I agree that raspberry jam is at the very top of our lists for recipes that we would recommend to a brand new beginner canning. Raspberry jam is a great choice for several reasons. It has naturally occurring pectin in its raspberry seeds. Pectin is like the plant world's version of cartilage. It's a compound in fruits and vegetables that make it stiff. And pectin is what you can add artificially or you can add, if need be, you can add it using things like apple cores to stiffen or thicken your jam or other canned products. But raspberries have lots of natural pectin in their seeds, so it makes it a great pick for a first recipe for that reason. You can make great raspberry jam with two ingredients, raspberries and sugar. It makes it so fast because raspberries can thicken up really quickly. I remember one time I canned, or excuse me, I timed myself And I went from start to completely done, stove turned off, done processing in 20 minutes. It's really a really great fast recipe, and we will link it in the show notes. And I think it's fun because once you master it, there's a lot of ways that you can church it up. You can include like lemon zest. You could try different colors of raspberries. There's ways that you can make it more fun, but it's just as a super successful recipe, I would say. What do you think, Anna? Why did you put raspberry at the top of your list? Yeah, it's for the same reasons that you're saying. I grew up in Alaska and my parents had raspberries all over the place, wild raspberries, like raspberries that they planted, but we just made a ton growing up. And I just remember the same thing, right, Jenny, that it just is so fast. And I think a lot of people don't realize that pectin doesn't have to look like apples. It can be in seeds. It can be in stems. It can be in your unripe fruit. Pectin is really cool. If you understand the ripening process of your fruit and where the pectin lies, then you'll understand um, how to extract that and use that in your processes. Yeah. Everything you just said, Anna. Anna, tell me why you put pickles on your list of great recipes for beginners. Yeah, I might go back on that just a little bit because Mm. there are some people that find that their pickles get soggy. And so sometimes there is some troubleshooting that goes along with pickles. I just mean that pickles are 
once you have a good recipe, it's, it's pretty easy to do. It's just packing your jars and putting the brine in. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of cook time, uh, once you combine that water and salt and vinegar. So I personally don't can any cucumber pickles because I really like an incredibly crisp pickle and I don't know that I can achieve that through canning, but I do pickle pearl onions asparagus spears, dilly beans. So maybe if you want to try a pickle, we can link to some in the show notes, some good recipes that are not only easy for beginners, but they're guaranteed to be more crispy than a canned cucumber pickle. I also wanted to add to the list applesauce as a great beginner canning recipe. Right when COVID happened like in March or April, I remember I thought like, what could I tell my social media followers, my blog followers, what could I tell them? Because I mean, the whole world felt very unsure, right? Everything felt so unsure. And I I remember I, I thought the best thing I could suggest is for people to make applesauce because it is easy. There's a lot of ways you can customize it to suit your family's tastes. There's no set point or no uh, no point where it's like done or not. It's just like, does this taste good? Then yes, it's done. It's ready to be processed. And you can just make it with plain old apples and water. You don't need anything other than apples. But you have the freedom to add maple syrup or sugar or cinnamon or ginger or a lot of other add-ins that make it really more fun and more delicious. But to me, raspberry jam only beats applesauce. Because applesauce does take a little bit of time to cook down and you do have to figure out, am I going to peel all these apples or am I going to cook them and put them through some sort of food mill or something? I cook my applesauce by quartering apples and cooking them till they're soft in water and then pushing them through a food mill. Hopefully we'll have an episode about food mills, all about food mills one day. But that's how I do them. How do you do your applesauce, Anna? So... Per my family's annoyingness, they don't really love applesauce. So <laughs> isn't that funny? It's so dumb. I love applesauce, but it's not one of the things that I like have to live with. You know, I have to have mm -hmm. in my pantry. I, I, I think I made like 30 pints or something the first year and my family just kind of didn't eat it. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make apple butter or I will add cooked apples to maybe like a fruit leather or yeah, I just use apples for different things. So when I started canning, my kids were babies or my daughter was, I was actually pregnant with her. And so when they were really small, we ate a ton of applesauce. And also where on the ranch I grew up on, there's a ton of apple trees. So I really grew up in an apple centric canning universe. But I do love I do love applesauce and I think it would be great for a beginner. Absolutely. What are some things that beginners can that maybe we would say maybe wait till you're a little bit more experienced? Oh, this is a great question. And I'm glad that we're doing this episode because right now in northern Utah, we are in the midst sort of on the tail end of peach season and I have been getting so many calls, so many text messages from people saying, "My peach jam is not setting. I don't know what's going on." please help SOS. <laughs> and so I would, I would recommend waiting on a peach jam. There's just so much room for error when you're doing peach jam that sometimes peaches that are overripe, a lot of that pectin is lost and it just will not thicken. 
And sometimes what happens is people will use a certain pectin, but instead of using the recipe that's in the pectin box, they go off a different recipe that they have. And why is that a problem, Jenny? Oh, this is a great, great, great question. Okay, so at the Master Preserver course, I remember learning about this and it just kind of blew my mind how it's obvious, but I didn't know it. So if you were to go out and buy a box of pectin at the grocery store, it has a recipe on the box. And those recipes are developed by those companies with the goal of producing for you perfectly set jam, okay? It behooves them greatly to provide you with the very best recipe you're going to find to use with that specific product so that you have a amazing blue ribbon jam. I always picked the same box of pectin that my grandma would buy, and I couldn't figure out why sometimes my jam would set quite right and sometimes it wouldn't. And it was because I wasn't following a recipe on the box. So this is a great segue into another episode we'll do about pectin. By following the recipe that the company has spent a ton of time and money in testing and trying in test kitchens, you're going to have a great, a perfectly set jam. So not every jam recipe calls for pectin, but just know it's kind of not a rookie move, but I mean, a lot of people will make this mistake. If you're going to use a store-bought pectin, you probably should use the recipe that's on the inside of the box. Yeah, that was kind of a revelation to me as well, is that pectin companies have different percentages of pectin and different strengths of pectin, and maybe they will add citric acid in their recipe um, because that also helps thicken a jam, and some don't. And anyway, there's just kind of a lot of leeway in what producers of commercial pectins will put in their box. And so I was finding that peach jam, people were having a really hard time setting that. I agree. I also live in a peach-centric place. We have a lot of peaches here. And I also think that something that is hard about canning peaches when you're a beginner is that you feel compelled to come home with this huge quantity of them. And most canning recipes will require you to peel them first, which actually takes kind of a lot of time. So you might start out really gung-ho, I'm going to can these peaches, and then you start peeling them, and then there's just so many of them. It's kind of a can feel for a beginner, like peaches are actually a high volume thing just because it's natural to like go home with a whole flat of peaches if you went to a U-pick, right? And because it's, they're just kind of tricky in terms of getting them to set if you can them into a jam. And I think we mentioned this in one other episode, but canning peach halves is also a little bit particular because of what problem, Anna? What happens with people canning peach halves? One of the things that can happen is fruit float. So fruit float happens when you are doing raw pack is what it's called. And that's where you don't heat up the peaches at all. And then you put them in your jar, add your simple syrup or hot fruit juice to the top. And after you're done preserving, it looks like you've only packed half the jar with peaches because they've all floated to the top. This isn't like necessarily a bad thing. Over time, those peaches will absorb some of that simple syrup and and they will, you know, fall in the jar. But I mean, that's after maybe six to eight months or something. Mm -hmm. And then also what Jenny was talking about is siphoning. 
And that happens when there's a drastic change in temperature between raw packing your peaches, putting them in your boiling water bath or your steam canner, and then taking them out. And then some of that liquid can come out and cause issues. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches super fast steam canning at startcanning.com. Use the code POD25, that's P-O-D-25, to get 25% off those courses today. In thinking about peaches and the fruit float, I feel like that is a thing that causes great panic in the new canner because it doesn't look quite right. They know something is a little (laughs) bit amiss, but they don't know if it's dangerous. They don't know what their mistake was. They don't... You just picked something that's kind of hard to to can. Not hard, but, you know, it just isn't as a home run, super easy success the way raspberry jam or applesauce would be. Yeah. Another one that I thought I would mention that isn't super easy that people sometimes can their first season is salsa. It's not that canning salsa is particularly hard necessarily, but a good salsa recipe has a ton of ingredients. So preparing a large amount of tomatoes and chopping all the jalapenos and the onions and all those ingredients, that just kind of adds to the labor time, which eventually be fatiguing. And then we mentioned in our episode about acid and canning that all tomato-based recipes that are, are modern and tested to be safe should call for the addition of an acidifying ingredient. And if you were brand new to canning and you didn't have uh, a trusted friend guiding you along the way, you may not know to look at an acid ingredient added to a canning recipe. You may not know like, oh, wait a minute, this this recipe for my grandma, it doesn't have any citric acid, doesn't have any lemon juice or lime juice or vinegar. So I think it just would be one that you would wait until you have a friend that you could trust to can with you or to give you a little, a few tips. There's just lots of ingredients to cut up. I personally, like if I'm going to can salsa or something like that, that's like a guaranteed, I want to invite a friend over so we can chit chat and then the work just goes by a lot faster. (laughs) I agree. Sometimes if I'm getting tired toward the end of the season, I will throw my uh, tomatoes in a gallon bag in the freezer. And then I do it in the winter when I have a little bit more stamina and not so burned out. And also, I would say, too, one of the things that makes salsa a little bit tricky besides finding, you know, finding a good recipe is that sometimes when you're making salsa, you haven't tried it before. And I would just recommend making a really small batch first to taste test it. That's what I did this year. I have a tried and true salsa recipe that I absolutely love, but I've been making the same salsa for 10 years and I'm just kind of like, I want to try something new. Uh, so I looked in the ball book and there's a recipe in there called jalapeno salsa. Mm-hmm. And it actually was really good. But first I made a small batch because I don't want to end up with 30 pints of it in my pantry if it's not good. Oh, that's so smart. And that's something we'll have to talk about in a whole nother episode, like knowing how to can for your pantry. And just because your friend cans all this, you know, all these pickles or all this applesauce doesn't mean that you have to, right? Is it safe to cut a canning recipe in half, Anna? Um, It's usually safe to do it as long as you are getting the measurements exact. That's great. 
Doubling gets tricky, and that is more like experience 2.0. And typically, it's not advised to increase the quantities or double your recipe. But cutting in half, I think most of the time you can do it safely and, and have a faster end result. You're done sooner, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think where you get into trouble with doubling your recipe is going to be in your jams, Mm -hmm. right? We talked about that in one of our previous episodes, you know, uh, doubling, tripling your jams, and then the cook time doubles and triples. And then, you know, the flavor is compromised at the end. So I never recommend doubling your jams if you can help it. But I've definitely like doubled up on like maybe my simple syrup batch if I'm doing a lot of peaches or pears. I just did pears last night and it's awesome, but also a very sticky mess. Right. What mistake have you made like maybe double or tripling a batch of something that has kind of sat in your pantry? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. I would say that, and this may not be true for you, you know, listeners out there, this may not be true for you. I made a lot a very good jam, especially when I was getting the hang of canning my first several seasons, I made a lot of jam. And it's weird because you have all this like emotion tied up in all this work that you did and you want your family to love the thing you canned and you want it. You have this notion in your mind of how this is going to play out, right? But we just don't eat enough toast. We don't eat enough toast. Or my kids love peanut butter and honey. Can you imagine? I'm like, for years, I'm like, could you please put some jam on your peanut butter sandwich? No, they love peanut butter, honey. So I have really cut back on the amount of jam I've canned. And it's not because it wasn't a great recipe. It just, I used to can a ton of it. And then for year after year, the same jars are still sitting there. I don't even need enough jam to go through it. So now if I make jam, I will only can my very favorite kind, which is raspberry, because I will eat it. So that's, that's not quite what you're asking. But yeah, sometimes you'll can a recipe of something and think like, oh, this isn't good. Or this isn't like, ugh, this is just not what we love. This isn't as delicious as I was hoping. Right. No, that's exactly the question I'm talking about. Because I think when people first start canning, they want to can everything. Maybe they want to can large amounts. And it does take some tinkering over the years to realize how much you actually use, how much you need. A lot of pantry planning goes into your canning and growing if you're doing it right. Right. And if you, start out on the right foot and you start with a great beginner-friendly recipe, your first couple experiences are going to be really positive and you're probably going to be really excited to can more. But I guess what we're saying is just just think through who is going to eat this jar? Who is, who is going to eat all these jars? If you don't normally go to the grocery store and buy a ton of jam, then maybe your family will not eat as much. <laughs> That's what happened to me. And I just mentioned that because you know, like we want this to be a super happy experience for you because it can be super rewarding and so fun. But just think, who is going to eat this? (laughs) Who do I know that really wants this hot sauce or this applesauce or whatever? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I think, guys, I think that is the end of our episode today. I think we've covered our very favorite recipe for beginners is raspberry jam. It's fast. It's so successful. You're not going to make a mistake. Applesauce is also a great one, just takes a little bit longer. Pickles can be really easy. And we would caution you against the very popular choice of peaches and salsa. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a great day. 
That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.